How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. As always, so good to be back here with you. If you just stumbled upon the show, welcome. Super glad that you're here and that you found us. We're just a bunch of guys who are trying to figure out what it looks like to be the spiritual leaders of our home and uh, to love Jesus and to help our families love Jesus. So if that's you, if you resonate with that, we'd love to have you come be part of our little community. You can do that by going to dadtire.com, clicking the community tab. That will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. We've got thousands of guys from around the world who are taking this stuff seriously, and we would love to have you come be part of that. You can do that by going to dadtire.com, click the community tab, and that will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. Thousands of guys from around the world who are taking this stuff seriously. Um, If you haven't heard, we're giving away copies of our Stop Behaving devotional. Um, Our whole goal for Dad Tired is to help equip men to lead their family well. And uh, most guys don't feel equipped and don't feel adequate when it comes to being the spiritual leaders of our home. Um, And so, of their home, I should say. And so, we're just trying to help guys figure that out and figure out what that looks like to kind of stumble their way to spiritual leadership. Um, We did a conference this last weekend. Uh, I spoke at a conference, a men's retreat, and um, this is what one of the guys he, he wrote on our closed community on Facebook. This is what he said. He said, I'm from Vancouver, Washington, and Jared spoke at our men's retreat last weekend. This was the most impactful retreat I've attended yet. The notion of pursuing my wife of 28 years without expectations was a real frying pan to the face moment for me. The entire ride home, I contemplated whether or not to share this concept with my wife, didn't know what that would look like, and didn't know if I wanted to find out where it would lead. Upon arriving home and looking at her, I felt totally convicted and shared everything. This led to the most loving conversation of our relationship in three decades. Um, And he just went on to thank the Dad Tired Ministry for helping him fall in love with Jesus and helping figure out what it looks like to lead his family towards the same. This is one of thousands of stories. Uh, We get these kind of emails every day all day, um, guys who are feeling equipped to lead their family well. So if you want to support this ministry, man, it really is, excuse me, this really is changing lives. And uh, we would love your support. We're a nonprofit. We're fully supported by the listeners of Dad Tired. And so um, your contributions make a huge impact. If you make a contribution, tax deductible, we will send you a book for free. Um, You just go to dadtire.com, click the devotional tab, and we'll actually send you our devotional for free if you make a contribution to the ministry. So thank you for helping us do that. Uh, Today's episode, we're talking about infertility. If you've personally struggled with infertility or you know somebody who has, you have a friend or a family member in your life who've struggled with infertility, um, today's episode is going to be very, very encouraging to you, I think. Um, We have Sheridan on Sheridan Voicey, and he's a writer, speaker, broadcaster. He's authored a lot of books, um, including his latest book called The Making of Us, Who Can, Who We Can Become When Life Doesn't Go to Plan. Um, even if you're not struggling with uh, infertility or even if you don't know someone who is, um, which is probably really unlikely because I think we all know somebody who's uh, in that journey. But even if you have something like a dream, something you've been praying for, for a long time and kind of pleading to God for, and you just feel like God is silent and you haven't really, you you feel like he's either silent or saying no. I I think this episode is going to be just really, really encouraging to you. I was so humbled and so um, just impressed by Sheridan's heart to trust after Jesus in the midst of some really difficult circumstances. And he does a really good job of giving both good theology and just really raw personal experience and truth. So, uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Sheridan Voicing. Hey 
Sheridan, so excited to have you on the show today, man. I'm really grateful that you took the time to hang out with us. For our audience who may not be familiar with what you're doing, can you just give us a little bit of insight on who you are and what you're up to these days? Well, I've spent the last 20 years as a writer, speaker, and broadcaster. And uh, that, that those three things really to different levels of percentage, if you like. So for many years, the broadcaster was the main thing I did, and then a little bit of writing and a bit of speaking on the side. And then since we moved to the UK from Australia in 2011, it's kind of been flipped up a bit. So it's primarily writing and speaking I do. And then I do some broadcasting on the other side of the desk rather than a, as a host. I'm now kind of a guest on uh, various radio networks around the place, uh, predominantly here in the UK, uh, but also often on uh, United States uh, radio networks as well. So that's kind of what I do as a career. I'm married to Marin, and uh, we make our home with a little cockapoo puppy named Rupert Reginald McScruffy. Oh, my gosh. That's quite the name, man. <laughs> well, when we, when we moved here, we thought if we're going to have a dog, we've got to have a, a really English name. So that's the that's the one we came up with. That's wonderful. I love that. That's great, man. Well, uh, you know, when you had reached out to me, one thing that stuck out to me um, about your most recent book um, and your story was your journey through uh, infertility. And Mm -hmm. um, we've had so many guys who, I I shouldn't say so many, we've had guys reach out and say, hey, can you do um, an episode on this topic because it's so rarely talked about? And I know it's something that you talk about, and you're one of the kind of the, the few voices out there that's talking about this, especially from a Christian perspective. I'd love if we could just kind of dive into that part of yeah. your journey. I know you've got a lot of kind of facets of your journey, but if we could just talk about that and specifically just like take us back to maybe the beginning of your marriage and what your plans were and, and how you got to where you are today. Marin and I never had the conversation about children before we got married. I think it's because we just assumed it would happen, like mm. so many people. We just assumed. Yeah. And we got married. I was a youth pastor for a period of time, and then I went into radio full-time after that. So that took us to some different cities in Australia. So we were moving around a bit. And about five years into our marriage, we had a conversation, and I still remember it. Uh, Marion walked into the kitchen and she said, honey, I think it's time. And I said, time for what? And she said, time we started a family. And I said, what, right now? Fantastic, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like any couple who makes that decision, you kind of assume that, yes, maybe not the first month, there's going to be expectation, but it's probably going to meet with disappointment. And maybe not the second month, expectation will probably be followed by disappointment again. But you know, so many couples, it's the third month, right? Expectation is followed by excitement. Well, for us, the kind of process went expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment. Mm -hmm. And after nine months, we went and got some tests done. Those tests revealed that there was a problem on my side and that uh, without either divine intervention or some sort of technological help, our dream of having a child was going to be very difficult indeed. And Jared, that really began a whole decade wandering through the wilderness of infertility And during that decade, we had times where it was just too difficult. And so we kind of stopped. Um, But then it would kind of come back again. You know, this whole thing is like a pendulum swing. You have these emotions. Uh, Sometimes the pendulum is at one end and the emotions are kind of, you know what, let's 
let's just live as a childless couple. You know, you've got more disposable income. We've got more flexibility, more freedom to travel and more time on our hands. But then, you know, another month passes and then the pendulum swings the other way and you start thinking about becoming a mum and a dad again. So we had seasons of that. We went through uh, IVF. Uh, in fact, my sperm count was so low that we had to do a specific form of IVF called ICSI, mm-hmm. um, where they take a, they basically take a single sperm and inject it into the egg. Uh, we tried special diets. We tried special supplements. Uh, we tried chiropractic, which to this day, I don't know why, but you know, you try anything if yeah, they say sure. it's going to work. Yeah. We did eight months of assessment to become uh, adoptive parents. And then we waited for two years for the phone call to come saying, come and collect your daughter, your son. That phone call never came. By the end of 2010, we decided we would do as many rounds of IVF as it took. And on the very last round, we had one embryo left to transfer. And by this stage, it was now 10 years. And we decided if this doesn't work, we are going to continue our lives as a childless couple. Uh, The embryo was transferred and we were told we were pregnant. And there was jubilation amongst our family and friends who had been walking with us for a decade. And then on Christmas Eve, would you believe, of 2010, we got a phone call saying, I'm sorry, we got it wrong. Wow. And so with that, Merrin walked into our room, put the phone down, uh, curled up in a fetal position on the bed, and that's where our 10-year dream of having a child ended. Wow. That's such a hard story, man. What Can you walk us through just – I have so many questions. I guess one, like for your marriage, what, what was it like – trying to one process that on your own um, as a man and then two tried to walk with your wife and really comfort her in the midst of this like what can you describe some of that yeah okay well let's take the first question so you know i'm encouraged that you mentioned in your intro that you've had some guys reach out to you about this topic because it's just so rare Uh, this is a very isolating journey for guys uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, it's not the kind of thing you're going to raise with your mates at the pub. Right. So it's just not going to be a topic of conversation. It's going to be a hard thing to broach the topic with somebody else. Then, statistically, when you do broach it with somebody else, most likely they're not really going to know what you're talking about. It hasn't been their experience because it's, you know, most people are successful. Now there's a growing number, growing percentage of people who aren't. Uh, But, you know, it's really hard to find some other people who get it. And you don't get it unless you've been through it. You don't get, particularly if you're the cause on the male side, you don't get the sense of shame that can be involved in Mm. the sense of inadequacy. By the way, you know, infertility does not mean that, you know, you're lacking virility. Those two are completely different, right? But, you know, there can be a fear that people are going to misunderstand me. Maybe they're going to think you're going to mix those two things up and my masculinity is going to be questioned. Um, All sorts of things like that. So it's an isolating journey. I spoke to a guy just the other day and He's a, a pastor of a church, and he said, you know, I haven't been able to speak to anybody about this. And when I have broached it with some people, I haven't really been met with much empathy. There's mm-hmm. kind of been this, oh, you know, we'll just give it time and pray a little bit more. 
um, you know, it, it can be a really long journey for some people. For some, some people, it's not a long journey. It's a, a matter of months or years. But for some of us, you know, we tried for a decade and it still didn't work. Yeah. Um, so that's the answer to your first question in terms of how is it to deal with it personally. I found it incredibly difficult. I didn't want to talk about it. It was a big, dark topic. I didn't really know where to turn and it was a hard thing to explore at the best of times. In terms of our relationship together, it definitely places a strain on your relationship at times. Um, I think of a time that when we first started looking into IVF and we had this interview with a, an IVF counsellor. And I remember we were sitting there in the room and, and she said, well, you know that IVF can put a lot of strain on a marriage. And uh, we thought she was talking about the drugs because when you go through IVF, uh, the woman is injected with all sorts of uh, drugs that kind of send her into almost hyper productivity, hyper reproductivity, and then afterwards almost plunge her into uh, like a like a menopause, if you like. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, that plays havoc on emotions and all sorts of things. And that's what we thought she was talking about. And she said, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm actually talking about decision making. I'm talking about when you're not on the same page, when one of you wants to just quit and stop and just move on as a childless couple. And the other person wants to keep on going and, and making, you know, make this happen. And yes, yeah, so, sorry to interrupt you there. Did you guys experience that? Like, did you guys experience times where you were, were not on the same page as far as wanting to keep going versus wanting to give up? Very much so. I would have been very happy to have called the whole journey to an end about five years earlier than Marin. Hmm. Yeah. She, she, you know, I, I want to not fall into stereotypes here because uh, I know I know men who are very driven to become fathers. I was kind of okay either way. Um, I feel the sadness and I feel the loss maybe even more so as I go on uh, in life. But, but I was kind of okay either way whether we had kids or not. It's a little bit different for a woman because of the hormonal aspects of uh, of being a woman, uh, just the sheer internal desire, God-given desire to actually become a mum, to reproduce, to hold and to nurture. And so, you know, this was a much stronger thing for Marin. And, and so she really wanted to exhaust all our avenues. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely did have those times when we and, – and even times where – we would sit together and pray about, say, looking into overseas adoption. And normally, we'd always experienced in, in the past, we would come out of praying about something generally on the same page. Maybe yeah. some details change, but, you know, we would come out with a similar kind of direction. This was the one moment in our life where we didn't. We would say, think about, are we going to go and do overseas adoption in the Philippines, for instance? And after praying about it, I would say, you know, I, I think we should. And Mary would say, oh, I thought we shouldn't. Mm. And so we had a lot of, lot of differences to work through as a result of that. Absolutely. Where are you guys today? Yeah, you said even to, you know, it's, you seem to even be growing in, in some of that sadness even more now. Like, what, where are you at today? Well, let me answer that by touching on that little story I was about to tell, because that'll yeah, give the answer yeah. to it as well. Yeah, so we're sitting... 
no, 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 we're, we're sitting in this IVF counsellor's office and then we're thinking that she's talking about drugs and she says, no, I'm talking about decision-making. And Marin says this that really turned out to be the answer to your question. She said, Sheridan and I have already, already decided that our marriage is more important than having a child. Mm. So if this journey of IVF gets in the way of our marriage, then we'll call it quits. Mm. And you know what? When she said that, the counsellor actually slumped in her chair and she said, I'm so glad to hear you say that because just yesterday a couple sat in the very same chairs that you're sitting in now and in front of the husband, the wife said, if this doesn't work, if IVF doesn't give us children, our marriage is over. Wow. And so that, number one, tells you the kind of pressure that can be on childless couples to make this work and sometimes it does feel like the whole marriage is going to be held together by having a child, which, by the way, is just a really bad thing. But number two, making the decision that our marriage is more important than having a child. I mean, having one blow is bad. Having a second blow, losing your marriage as well, that's even worse. And yeah. unfortunately, we, we come across that quite often as well. Yeah. So we are doing quite well. Um, we have been able to grieve, and that's an important part of the process of moving on and then we've been able to uh we've been able to successfully move forward as a childless couple and then even beyond that and this is a whole other discussion topic that that we can explore as our time goes on together but we've been able to see god redeem our story and recycle it into service to other people and that's been profoundly gratifying Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the interview so far. I just want to take a quick minute to thank my friends over at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode and making it happen. Uh, HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook you can eat and you can enjoy. They do all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping. You can just focus on a healthier you and a happier family. Uh, get back to just spending more time with your family, which is always a goal for us here at Dad Tired. Um, you're going to spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get back to doing more of what you love, which is just being an engaged husband and dad. All the meals come together in 30 minutes max, and they call for less than two pots and pans and require very minimal cleanup. You can make family dinners fuss-free, with HelloFresh's Picky Eater kid-tested and approved family plan recipes. They actually have three plans that you can choose from. You can do a classic, a veggie, and family with the option of switching in between those as your taste and preferences change. Just last night, we cooked this like Asian chicken with bell peppers over rice. My kids ate all of it. Uh, they're actually becoming less picky eaters as we've been eating HelloFresh every single week and they've kind of adjusted their palate to new meals, uh, which is always fun to see. Elijah actually helps me in the kitchen cook a lot of these meals too, which is always a plus. As always, we want to hook the Dad Tired listeners up with some promo codes. Uh, so to get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com forward slash tired80 and enter the code tired80 at checkout. Again, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com forward slash tired80. That's eight zero tired80 and enter the promo code tired80. Eight zero, you're going to get eighty dollars off your first month. Uh, it's really like receiving eight meals for free. Uh, really a super super good deal. Again, go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Tired eighty and enter the promo code Tired eighty at checkout. Mm-hmm. 
for the couple that's in the midst of that, maybe if you know if yours was a ten year journey, maybe they're on year three or maybe year five or whatever. What what would you say to that couple that's in the thick of it right now? Okay, I would say there is probably more help out there than you realize, uh, especially now. Um, I mean, I've written a couple of books on it. There are some wonderful websites out there specifically for Christians wrestling with infertility. There's a wonderful one uh, here in the UK with a bunch of um, – there's actually a, a bunch of people who were going through ministerial training, like they were going to become pastors. And it was like three couples that all of them at once were struggling to have children. And mm. so they started this website called Salt, Water and Honey. And it's, I think it's saltwaterandhoney.org. And it's just a great place to go and know that you're going to find a bunch of people who know what you're going through and are, are wrestling through it biblically and from a Christian perspective. So there's a little bit more help out there than you probably realize. Number two, I would say keep praying together. Mm. And even if you have those experiences where you're not on the same page, even after praying, I look back now, and, and that says something to me. That says that that maybe, well, number one, we had to keep on journeying to get together and with God through this. But number two, maybe it was just one of those things that, that God wasn't going to give us. It was just such a rare experience for us. I mean, to the, to the point, Jared, where there was once a, a, a lovely pastor's wife um, called a special prayer meeting together for us one day, and we were in this lounge room, and she did it really cleverly. She actually didn't tell half of the people who were coming along to pray what the issue was. Mm. And so we all gathered together in this lounge room and these people started praying uh, for us. And uh, a couple of people who were kind of prophetically gifted were kind of, you know, saying, you know, I really, I really feel like we should pray for Marin and pray for, I feel like, you know, we should pray about a, an empty womb. And he, mm. they were starting to get it, right? Wow. God was giving them insight into what the problem was. And then we all stopped and then we, Marin and I shared our situation. And then everybody started praying again because we, we particularly wanted to know some guidance. Should we keep on going with IVF? Should we just call it a day? What should we do? If God had said no, it, this, I don't want you to have children. If God had said no, that would have been difficult, but we could have then ended the journey and moved on. If God had said, yes, keep on going, that would have been encouraging, et cetera, et cetera. Yes or no. That's all we were asking. Everybody started praying again, complete silence for the next 30 minutes. Mm. <laughs> Nobody had anything. So it felt like just God wanted to stay quiet on this issue. And to this day, we don't know why we weren't given children. But I would say, keep on praying together. And out of that, allow that each of you may have different journeys through this. One of you may be in a season of, okay, let's just move on as childless, a childless couple and let's make the most of what we have. While at the very same time, that could be the time when the other partner is actually saying, I so desperately want this. So allow some time, some times where you, you may are going to be going through different emotional parts of the journey. I would also uh, there, there may be some women listening to this podcast to, mm -hmm. to try and, you know, understand what yeah, what's going on there, men. Yeah. Um, uh, women, please reach out to your men. It's very surprising how many uh, 
women we've heard of who haven't actually inquired of their husbands how they're feeling about this. Mm. Uh, I think part of that is cultural, that we keep on thinking about infertility as a woman's issue. Mm -hmm. It's not a man's issue. Mm -hmm. uh, research here in the UK has found that when uh, couples are going through fertility treatment, the man is almost uh, continuously ignored. Wow. So that it's questions that are always posed to the woman. Uh, they're looking to the woman to make decisions, etc. Because understandably, it's a woman's body that's so so primarily and dramatically impacted on fertility treatment. Right. But actually, at some stage, <laughs> there is a second part of the family that needs to be uh, acknowledged here and not just acknowledged because of what they bring biologically, but because of who they are as people and what their emotional experience is. Yeah. So that, that's a couple of things I'd start yeah. to encouraging a child's couple to go through. That's encouraging. Mm. What, how is your relationship with Jesus? At one point earlier, you said that, you know, Marin had these God-given desires to bear a child and to hold the child and to nurture a child. How do you reconcile that, those God-given desires with God being good and saying no? Mm. Well, there's there's the theological answer, and that is to say that ours is a fallen world, and not every God-given desire is actually fulfilled in this world. Right. Uh, that is going to be fulfilled in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth. Although having said that, this aspect of childlessness is actually a bit of a challenge to that, because everything else that we lose in life Everything else that sin and the fall and everything has kind of taken uh, from the brokenness of this world will be restored in the new heavens and the new earth. You think, you know, lost loved ones, we're going to be reunited with them if they were believers in Jesus. Um, oh, you know, all sorts of creative talents that we weren't able to fulfill. I've got no doubt we're going to be able to fulfill those in the new heavens and the new earth very easily. Funnily enough, though, what about the childless couple? Hmm. Are they going to have children in heaven, I mean, Jesus talked about there not being marriage in heaven, right. or certainly not new marriages. Um, I, I, I still keep open some understanding that there still could be established marriages. I mean, how could 23 years of marriage with marriage just suddenly be obliterated and we're suddenly two independent, independent souls? Mm. <laughs> um, but it raises a big question for the child's couple. Well, what are, we, are we ever going to be able to have this? Uh, desire fulfilled, even in heaven. I don't have a definitive answer to you on that one, apart from the fact that uh, the sense of the body of Christ being unified in a way that has never been unified before, that all our deepest desires for relationship will make up for anything that we've lost in terms of not having children. Mm. So that's, what, that's where I believe it. Um, in terms of personal relationship with God, we had some challenges and you know i appreciate the fact that i can just tell by your tone of voice jared that you're open for real discussions here yeah. sometimes sometimes you can't have those real discussions in church but i'm glad we can have yeah, them here absolutely there are two common responses for a christian going through this particular journey long term Number one is to shake your fist at heaven <laughs> and say, God, why aren't you coming through for me? You're supposed to be a good father. What's going on? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Now, Meryn would say that was her response. Mm. 
And so her relationship with God went really quite cold for some years, mm. she would say. And it took a while for actually to that, that relationship to warm up again. And, you know, it's wonderful that it has, but, you know, it, it took a while. And I had to be very careful not to try and push her out of that too quickly, you know, yeah. encourage her to pray more, or <laughs> do all the religious things. Um, we just had to journey with that together a bit. The other response is to say, well, God is good and holy and perfect, and of course it can't be his fault. It must be mine. And so you point your finger at yourself and you say, well, Sheridan, which is what I did, you must be the reason. And it may not just be that, you know, you're the biological reason your wife can't have what she desperately wants, <coughs> excuse me, but maybe it's a spiritual reason. Mm. Maybe you, you aren't holy enough. You're not spirit-filled enough, that, those kinds of things. Mm. Um, and so that's where I went. And, you know, over a period of time, I mean, that starts to pick away at your soul. And I had to have a, you know, I kept on, because you, you hear about other people getting the miracle, getting the answer to, the, to prayer, and you're just kind of going, oh, God, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, to the point where I've never been somebody who's, subscribe to prosperity theology or name it right, and claim it. Right. I've never subscribed to that. But you kind of get to the point where you go, well, God, is is that is that the reason why we don't have a child? Have, have I have I not stood in faith? And so for a period of time there, I thought, okay, well, I've, I've asked my father to give me a child. Maybe I'll, instead of doing that, I'll just stand in faith and expect that this next embryo, when it's implanted, is going to result in a viable pregnancy. And so, Father, I stand in faith, I expect, and I, I hold on, and I can't wait for the child you're going to give us. And, of course, that expectation was met with disappointment. So, it, this can be, it can be a really difficult journey spiritually. It really can. Sheridan, I'm so grateful, man, for your uh, just your transparency and your authenticity and that answer and that you 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 graced us with both good theology, but also just really honest um, feedback on your journey, man. That I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just so important. It, like you said, we need both the good theology, but we also need to have space for our, our lived experience. And that doesn't mean that we're somehow given free reign to tell God what we think of him, you know, but, but at the same time, you look at scripture and Habakkuk and Isaiah and Jeremiah and even Jesus on the cross, right. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. We have got some real latitude with our God to be very emotionally honest and, and we have to then open up that space for each other too. Yeah. I'm. It's like when I'm hearing your story, there's, there's just so many layers of, um, hurt and even what I hear shame, you know, one, just on the physically, biologically, the, you know, like, why am I not able as a man to produce a child uh, for my mm -hmm. wife? And then two, that, that underlying issue, which is really, I think that was something that really just stuck out to me as you were sharing that is, then it starts to go into kind of, I imagine a playground for the enemy to say, well, if you just had your act together, or if you were a little less sinful, or if you could have a little bit more faith, uh, if you were a little bit more righteous, that's really why what's going on. And there's like these different angles that the enemy is really using to kind of fire those arrows of shame at you. And it's just such a complex, uh, and I imagine deeply lonely um, journey to go through. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it certainly is. And I think everything that you've said there is correct, that the enemy loves to play around in this particular playground. And, uh, and yeah, he shoots a, a number of arrows. Um, I'm so grateful. We had a great Friday night small group that we met with. Mm. And they weren't always perfect in this journey. But my goodness, they were pretty much close to it. And they gave us space. You know, here's the other thing, Jared. How's this for... For, for upending spirituality, there were times where we didn't want to be prayed for. Yeah. And you kind of go, what's up with that? Yeah. I mean, everybody should be prayed for. We should always be seeking prayer and have prayer for our situation. Actually, when you go through this for a long time, you discover the truth of Proverbs thirteen twelve: Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And every time somebody prays again for you, what happens? Your hope gets heightened. Yep. And what happens then, 28 days later, you are then thrust down onto the ground again. And so for a while, you don't want to be prayed for because you don't want the height, the, the hope to be heightened anymore because you don't want the, the load that's going to come afterwards. They gave us space. Sometimes they would say, look, would you like us to pray for you? No, that's fine. You don't want to come this Friday? You, don't, you just want to have some time alone? That's absolutely fine as well. We're going to pray for you. It reminds me, you know, I've been in broadcasting for years and I've interviewed some great heroes of the faith. Uh, Richard Foster, uh, author of Celebration of Discipline, mm. is somebody who I've loved his work and, and took me years to get him. And I finally got an interview with Richard Foster. Mm. And there's a little story he tells about writing a book on prayer and having finished that book on prayer, not feeling at all like he wanted to pray. <laughs> <laughs> he was just over prayer. Yeah. And he went to his group of people and they said, you know what? We don't think you should pray for a season. We will become your prayer for mm. you. And that's the kind of community that we had. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we had that because not everybody does. This guy that I spoke to, talked talk to you about just before, who called me just recently and said, I've never been able to share this with anybody else. I'm a pastor. I haven't been treated very well, etc." He didn't have any small group like that to be able to take these things to. And he's a pastor. Wow. So I just say to, you know, all of the thousands that are downloading this podcast and listening to it, if this is not your journey, Will you prayerfully commit to being the kind of person that was at my Friday night group, yeah. the kind of person that will create the kind of space that you're hearing Jared give me now to your brother mm. and your sister who are going through this at some stage? Just listen. Don't be too quick to come in with solutions or advice. Just listen. Just empathize. Ask them what they would like at this particular moment. How can we serve you? How can we help you? How can we support you? Man, that's so good. Uh, I imagine that there were so many times that probably were frustrating. I don't want to you know, make assumptions here, but I imagine that people came to you and said, hey, I just read this article or my friend tried this and they got pregnant. You know, they're just, uh, and that, that's got to uh, get kind of annoying at some point. <laughs> just like, of course, you've done more research than anybody. Uh, so, uh, oh, man, absolutely. You, you do get those things. And of course, most of them will come from your mother. <laughs> right, 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 right. I was reading this little newspaper article in guava juice yeah, or something. Exactly, you know. um, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's a journey for both, you know, friends to recognize that sometimes that's not helpful, but also for Marin and me, you know, we just had to realize we can't expect our friends to be perfect all the time yeah, either. Yeah. Um, but you do get that. And and again, on the, on the faith side, you get it probably more so on the faith side. You know, uh, I remember once 
when Resurrection Year, the first book that I wrote about this whole thing, came out. And I remember afterwards, I spoke at a church about it, and uh, this this woman found our number and she gave us a call and she said, look, uh, I couldn't have children for, I think she said five or six years or something. And uh, then, you know, this particular person prayed for me and then I conceived and I've had now had three children. I would like to come around to your house and I'd like to pray for you both. Mm. And, you know... I think the phrase that she also used is, and you hear this quite a lot in this in this circumstance, um, God is no respecter of persons. Yeah. What he did for me, he will do for you. Right. Now, I question that theology anyway, because right. he says no to some of us, he says yes to some of us. Right. But I think the thing was that by that stage, we had already made so much peace with our journey. We had come to a point where we, we were moving on, and actually we didn't want to go there and open that up again. And it was hard for that woman to hear because it sounded to her like faithlessness. Right. Uh, but actually, she didn't know the 10 years of, <laughs> of faith that had preceded it. Hmm. You mentioned a little bit about just the identity and the identity struggles that a childless man has in the Christian community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like uh, what it's like uh, as a man to want children, not be able to have children in the Christian community? Yeah, well... It's there even whether you're part of the Christian community or not. So just the, again, the, the cultural expectation right. that, you know, your masculinity will be proved by siring a child. Yeah. I mean, that's what, all, that's what all the jokes are about, right? I mean, I was doing uh, a little program for the BBC here, BBC television, breakfast TV, and me and a cameraman were driving out to the filming location. And this guy started telling me the story. He said, oh, just last night I was in a pub with my, you know, my South London mates. And that's kind of code for, you know, pretty rough, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty rough kind of kind of guys. And and the conversation turns to depression. Hmm. And it turns out some of the guys have been on antidepressants. And he said, we could never have had that discussion 10 years ago. Hmm. We would all have been too afraid of appearing weak. Right. And he said, you know, we've made great kind of, great strides in being able to be more free and talking about these kinds of things. And I said, isn't that great? Now, I reckon there's one topic you probably still can't talk to your mates about in a pub right. <laughs> on a Tuesday night, yeah. and that's low sperm count. Can you talk about that? <laughs> right. And he said, he thought about it for a while. He said, you know what? We would never talk about that. If anything, we would joke about the opposite being the case, mm. right? You know, I got so much sperm and, you know, I, I could get any woman pregnant just right. by walking past her right. and all of those kinds of jokes. So the cultural thing is that your masculinity is proven by siring a child. Yeah. So that's the starting point of the culture. Now, no doubt then when it comes into the church and particularly some uh, segments of the church where, uh, you know, particularly say really focusing on, you know, man as the head of the household and leader of the of the, the family unit and all, of, which of course, you know, we can all find in Ephesians 5, etc. But there's a real strong emphasis on family, biological family, then of course, what happens if you're not able to meet that yeah. mold? Yeah. Uh, that, can, that can be difficult. Now, I've been in circles that have been a little bit more relaxed about that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that. But I do come across guys who do struggle with that, where it's kind of, well, everything that, you know, John Piper and John MacArthur are telling me to do, yeah. <laughs> I don't actually have the capacity to do because of our situation. So 
um, it doesn't mean that you you know you're not called to be a, a person of 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 leadership and and to, uh, to to be responsible and all of those other things that we would see in a part and parcel of of godly masculinity. But so much of so much of what we build. Uh, okay, we can be open here. Uh, maybe I'm going to be a bit controversial, but so much of what we build in terms of a theology of masculinity sometimes is very culturally based. Mm. And some of the writings that I see, particularly coming out of North America, can sometimes maybe reflect on North American culture mm. broader than a biblical culture. Yeah. So, yes, you know, where to be faithful and where to lead and all of those kinds of things. But um, I think there's a bigger picture to what constitutes biblical masculinity than some of the things that we're told. Amen, man. I, I, I'm all for that kind of controversial stuff. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we, we always have to ask ourselves, is this, uh, is this a cultural thing? And, and where are we um, imposing our cultural norms into the scriptures, um, sometimes blindly? Yeah. And I think uh, if anyone's most guilty of that, it's us here in North America. So we, we seem to do that a lot. So, yeah, I, uh, well, we, we all have our downsides, don't we? I mean, I, I was reading just a blog post the other day that was looking at, you know, biblical, biblical masculinity. And you were saying, you know, to be a true man, you, <laughs> you need to carry a pocket knife. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it was this idea that, you know, to be a real man, you've got to, you've got to have a hipster beard. Yeah. You've got to be a, an outdoors man and you've got to carry this knife. And that was true. It was bigger than a pocket knife. It was a fairly large thing. Um, and this is going to allow you to cut down trees. It's going to allow you oh, to catch gosh. fish in the sea. It's going to do all of this. And you know what? I thought to myself, my goodness, by law, you're not allowed to carry a knife like that here in the UK. <laughs> so yeah. straight away, strike one against me. Yeah, definitely uh, unsubscribe to that magazine for sure if you are subscribed. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, man, like I think that's why Dad Tired has – I think we've seen growth here because um, guys are kind of fed up with those kind of stereotypical messages. Um, of uh, We've heard a lot, especially as young men, uh, we've heard a lot of messages in the Christian community saying, you know, man up step up, be a man, figure it out. And uh, it's just never been helpful for us. Um, Uh, And so, yeah, I think... Well, I applaud you, man. I applaud you for having this conversation because, oh gosh, there's so much. And it it seems to only being escalated at the moment. It just gets louder and louder, that conversation. So that means, you know, Dad Tide is just so much more important right Mm. now. Sure, I'm, man. This this uh, conversation has been so encouraging to me, and your story has brought me closer to Jesus by just you kind of sharing your journey. Um, tell us about your books, where everyone can go buy your books, and the title of them. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, you know, the two that relate to what we've been talking about. The first one is Resurrection Year. Uh, the subtitle is Turning Broken Dreams into New Beginnings. Now that's bigger than infertility but it's the whole it's it's a memoir based on our story of 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 infertility the amazing thing is that in talk going openly about that it's actually touched people with all sorts of other broken dreams whether it be singleness uh whether it be not having the dream career or losing the dream career all sorts of things so that's the first one resurrection year and then the latest one is called the making of us who we can become when life doesn't go as planned and that's really honing in on this idea of uh, finding new identity and purpose when things have gone wrong or when life just hasn't gone as we planned it in our 20s. Uh, who can we become? 
after four years of reflection and research and journaling and discussion and prayer, uh, I now, I think I can say with conviction, Jared, I now can say that when God is in the picture, actually, this could be the making of us. Mm. Even for you listening now and you haven't got the child, you haven't got the wife, you haven't got the dream career, there is something profound in this moment that you're going through that if you walk through the wilderness with him, he is very clever, very genius in turning this into a deeper and bigger sense of identity for who you are so that your identity isn't just based on this one career that you've wanted or this one aspect of having a child or whatever it might be. You get a bigger sense of self. Uh, And number two, you actually see the redemptive work of God in your life for the sake of other people. That's what we've experienced. And I certainly pray that people who read the books are able to get a taste of that for themselves. Mm. Such a good gospel truth. Let's end on that because I don't think I can top that, man. Thank you so much for taking (laughs) the time to hang out with us today. It was wonderful. So good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks again for checking out the Dad Tired Podcast. I hope that that episode was helpful and encouraging to you and brought you a little bit closer to Jesus. Just want to say again, if this ministry uh, is encouraging to you, would you please consider making a contribution? You can go to dadtired.com, click the devotional tab, we'll actually send you a free devotional as a gift of just saying thank you for supporting us and helping us reach more men for the gospel. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.